you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and I have a very special show for you all today. Joining me today is Seth Leaf Przansky. Seth is a very, very special guest that I'm excited to have here on Decide to Transform. I know that you all are going to learn a great deal from him. I will read a little bit about Seth right here. Since birth and throughout the course of his life, Seth Leif Przansky has consistently come to the realization that human perception is a secondary expression of our primary divine origins. Seth has learned to masterfully articulate a set of experiential philosophies that enable individuals to move beyond the limitations of collective human consciousness and know themselves as a primary emanation of divine origin. Seth is a self-published author of the book, The Fight to Enlight, Initiation Through the Heart is the Only Way to Win. A successful entrepreneur, performing musician, co-founder of livingnuts.com, tourmalinespring.com, and editor of the blog, I'm Awake, Now What?.com a website devoted to globally awakening people to the power residing in their own consciousness. There's a lot to unpack here, and this is going to be a wonderful show. Seth, welcome to Decide to Transform. Oh, thank you, Tomas. I appreciate that so much. It's my pleasure. And this is really wonderful. There's so much depth to everything that you do and that you're involved in. And the first thing that grabs my attention that I'd like to ask you about is the experiential philosophies that that you work on, that you have learned to articulate. And does that mean that you've developed all of these through your own experience? Yeah, simply by becoming aware of what it is that I'm giving voice to has enabled me to have a deeper and more thorough human understanding because there's a linear kind of three-dimensional way that most of us are most conditioned to perceive ourselves and reality in. Mm -hmm. And so it's in those ways that most people can begin to start becoming aware of what it is that is being communicated or what I'm suggesting because it's more comfortable. It's what they're used to. And that leads the more and more they become comfortable with perceiving information and learning and transmitting it or, you know, making sense of it in the way that they're most accustomed to, the more they can begin to tap into the deeper aspects of it, the frequencies, if you will, of what it is we're actually talking about. Yes. Well, and this is something that I think is germane to the entire conversation. As we were talking just a moment ago, we talked about a frequency and tuning into a frequency. And at what point did you personally begin to become aware of this frequency? It's interesting. I've my first memories are as a young child, literally just being aware of it, but that's only because I was in a perfect environment. I was in nature. I had a mother and father who loved me. My early childhood was just perfect, the perfect ingredients, you could say, for me to be able to just become aware of the nature of my awareness itself. Mm-hmm. And so I was a young child. I was raised in nature and I would just go out and, you know, like playing and doing all that stuff is one thing, but for whatever reason, I just found it really easy to sit down and just listen and pay attention without moving around. And 
the more I began to pay attention, the more my attention would expand beyond the way, the appearance of things around me. Like I just realized that nature and all the stream and the trees and all these living systems that were immediately around me were part of a much greater living system. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that I knew that as a kid. And I remember like, wow, it's, this is huge. This is a big giant. It's everywhere. And that enabled me to just really be humbled and relaxed. And I could feel what the contemplation of that potential felt like in my own awareness as a child. Now, mind you, I didn't have words. I didn't know how to speak about it the way I do now, but the feeling of it was just so self-evident, you could say, that I was more interested in focusing on that than really anything else. Okay. And what was interesting about it is the more I would focus on it, the more pronounced that feeling would become and the less the world around me seemed to even exist because mm -hmm. I would focus so much on that state of peace, of calm, of the essential nature of nature itself, you could say, that mm -hmm. I became so aware of it that it just became all that there actually was. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that felt better then, you know, so take that. I, I knew about that. I was into it, but then sharply contrast that to being institutionalized or going to school or being subjected to society or TV or all these things that condition us to think and feel in ways that can be very limiting. Yes. I was aware how these internal expansive states of being were harshly contrasted by such experiences. Yes, and what did that feel like to be aware of that sharp contrast? It's exactly that contrast. So it's like constraining. It's a, so expansion is more in alignment with the natural state of things. The universe is in a state of expansion. Like life overall for the most part is mostly expansive. Now, not to say that there isn't chaos or disorder or all that. It's a part of it. There's no separation. It's just that when you hyper-focus on the chaos, the disorder, the stress, the, all that, you, it becomes a more predominant aspect of your self-awareness than this expansive nature. And that takes us out of the essential nature of reality and mm -hmm. focus on something limiting and temporary so it felt like I was being boxed in, like I was okay. being imprisoned. Yes. Yeah. And then you, you, how old were you approximately, roughly, when you began to be aware of this? You mentioned you were young. Probably three, three, three. four years old. But again, like I, like, even though I was aware of it, like it didn't, I didn't have the words, I didn't have the understanding. Right. And my awareness of it only went so far. It wasn't until later in life that it really began to take off. So okay. it was just more like I had this framework for it to already be there mm -hmm. that through these dualistic experiences, you could say, or these hard or contrasting experiences, it enabled me to dive deeper into that which, you know, I wasn't even aware that I was aware of. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's yeah, yeah. I, I think that a lot of listeners would be able to relate to that. Whether somebody's had this as a consistent experience in life, I think that there are more people than uh, than want to give themselves credit for it that that have this experience and will recognize this experience, this very same beyond words type of thing. Yeah. Now, did you I have, love, go ahead, yes. Well, I was gonna say, I love to make it simple for people in that yeah. like, right now we're talking about something very abstract mm -hmm. and some people will be like, yes, yes, yes. Others will be like, what are they talking about? Yeah. But a yeah. way to make it more digestible, you could say, or more rationalize it and kind of 
fit it for the way we're most accustomed per to perceiving information and processing information. It's very simple in that there is you, the person who you perceive yourself to be. Mm -hmm. And then there is this energy that is causing your heart to beat. It's causing your lungs to breathe. It's causing all of these anatomical and physiological reactions to take place in your body faster than the speed of light. And it doesn't matter if you're conscious of it or not, it's going to do that unconditionally. So when you start to rationalize that, then it becomes like, okay, there's me, this is my life, this is who I am, this is what I believe about the world. But then there's this literal miracle of life that is taking place inside of me that is energetic in nature, the mm -hmm. energy that's causing the heart to beat and that causes neurons to fire and wire is energy. It's an energy-based, like electromagnetic, bioelectromagnetic energy form that is incomprehensible to our normal state of perception. And so yes. like rationalizing this and making sense, like, okay, there's a disconnection here because there's who I believe myself to be. And then there's this miracle of life that's happening regardless of who I think I am and what I think the world is. So in that offers this great space of like, okay, where's the missing links here? Because I'm both of these things. I am who I believe myself to be. And I'm also this energy that's allowing me to be here in the first place. So why does it feel like there's this big gap in between, between the two? Mm -hmm. And so when you realize that, and you realize that there's very much a dualistic nature to who we believe ourselves to be and what we actually are, you become interested in filling in the blanks, you could say. And that begins it. Right. I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that description of filling in the blanks because that's really what it is. And it takes that, uh, that inquiry and, and that focus. And, you know, as you have been having this experience and involved in this process and inquiry almost your entire life, yeah, who have been your biggest supports? Did, have you had specific support systems or teachers that have helped you along the way here? I didn't. Well, okay. I had one. I mean, in a way, everybody and everything is teaching. <laughs> yes. Right? But I had one person who helped me take what I was already aware of and become a lot more aware of it. But even that was temporary and only went to a certain point. And okay. a lot of people will be like, oh, what, what books have you read? And I, honestly, I've mm -hmm. probably read less than 10 books cover to cover in my entire life. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not. Yeah. My, and in fact, I didn't even realize that people were having experiences like this and writing about them for thousands of years before until I was in my early 20s. Uh -huh. You know, because we, you know, we didn't have the internet growing up. No, when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> no. and I lived in the woods of Maine. Uh -huh. You know, my parents didn't have books about this. It wasn't like an interest of theirs. To, so I didn't know anything about it until I, like, I was having these profound experiences, especially at the age of eighteen. I, I was aware of this when I was really young. And then I went through a long period of disassociation with it, you could say. Okay. And knowing that something was missing, I was able to reconnect at the age of 18 in a way that I had never connected hmm. when I was a child. Okay. And that was, it just totally opened me up and tuned me in in a way that I couldn't even imagine or believe possible and in many ways that's part of what it can be like like we have so much conditioned thoughts and perspectives about who we think we are that in order to come to know ourselves as we truly are sometimes it takes having that blown apart or you know just expanded is a better word it's <laughs> so, yes 
Yeah, I love that. It's a different characteristic of an explosion or a breaking open. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, tell us about this, this experience, the reconnection that you had at age 18. Okay. This is... <laughs> so... I had been living with a friend at this point. So basically I got bullied really bad at school. You know, I, I went, I had this perfect childhood. I went and my mother and father were like, the way that we raised you, meaning living off the land and living in the woods of Maine, we're gonna change that. It's just not the way the world is going. So we're gonna move out of the woods into a more suburban area, a city and you're going to go to school, you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whatever, like, you're going to do this. And, you know, I, I was a kid and I loved my parents. I was about 12 years old when they dropped this on me mm. and we moved to a suburban place. I got so severely bullied and I wasn't getting assistance from really anybody okay. until it was too late. Like the damage had been done. Mm. And at that point, I was already so wounded and traumatized from what I had experienced that I didn't, you know, the only people I trusted was my mother and father. And at that time, I had felt like they, I mean, I, to me, my, they had totally betrayed my trust for, you know, we've made peace, we love each other now, and we did. But at the time, it was very much, they didn't know what to do. Okay. And they made decisions that they admit that were too extreme for what I was able to handle. And they were hoping that by scaring me, by having me subjected to the system in a hard way, it would sober me up and toughen me up. But it had oh. the exact opposite experience. It was mm -hmm. so deeply traumatizing to me that I lost all trust for them. But after the trauma started to pass, then I started becoming a lot more fearless. Okay. Mm -hmm. which is interesting because oh. I was like, wow, okay. I was kicked out into the world. Nobody stood up for me. And I realized I had to stand up for myself. Okay. And I began making some really extreme decisions. Like I quit school. Mm. Um, I didn't even make it through my sophomore year of school and left home. And in, instead of going into a city or whatever, I went deep into the Northern woods of Maine because that's what I knew. That's where I felt like, I knew, I was like, this isn't the life that I want. There's a big missing piece of the puzzle that I'm not getting. And I don't know why, but I feel like if I go immerse myself in nature, it's going to help me. So I met somebody who didn't seem like everybody else at the time, because at the time, everybody seemed like they're brainwashed. They believe everything that the system is teaching us. And they can't think or feel beyond that. They're just, yeah. and, but I was like, I know there's something beyond all of this. I don't know what it is, but I know it's there, but I had been so disconnected from it throughout those years between my early childhood and my, you know, early teen years. And because I didn't have the words or the understanding of what I was initially experiencing as a child, I wasn't sure what it was because essentially I was steeped in the world of human belief systems of sure. ego, you mm -hmm. could say, yeah. and human identification with form, which is a very limited way of perceiving reality because our actual nature is in many ways formless compared mm -hmm. to the form we're most accustomed to perceiving things in. Right. So I met one person who didn't fit that mold. I didn't know why he didn't fit it, but I could just tell he didn't. And every time I would talk to him about it, he'd kind of give me little clues, but not enough for to satisfy my craving or my need to know. Uh -huh. And he came with me up into the woods and we spent a few years living with nothing, you know, literally like, I, you know, living in nature, trying to grow some food, trying to fish, you know, getting food stamps, and then mm -hmm. getting little bits of food as a result of that. But it was suffering, it was hard, you know, brutal winters, like going through winters in Maine with 
no heat, no insulation, I mean, well, wood heat, but no insulation in the house, no running water, no, just really hardcore survival. Uh -huh. But yeah. going through that and being on the edge of, of life and feeling so both wounded, but knowing there's something beyond society and my own wounding, eventually this guy helped prepare me for an experience that I invoked within myself, you could say. Okay. Which is essentially, I began to realize that there's this miracle of life happening inside of me and that I wasn't consciously aware of a big part of what was enabling this energy to animate my body and how my consciousness of self stemmed from that. I knew there was a major missing piece of the puzzle Okay. And so the mind's like trying to make sense of it and look for it. And, you know, you keep coming up against this resistance, this wall of perceptual dissociation, you could say, from who you believe yourself to be and what <laughs> you actually are. And then eventually I had what I can only describe as it felt like a heart attack coming on. And literally... I began feeling my life force leaving my body and the pain was so brutal. And I, you know, I was screaming and crying. I was out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, just begging for somebody to help and nobody was there to help. And I could feel this energy that is allowing me to be here. That's allowing all of us to be here, leaving this body. <laughs> and I was conscious of the entire process as it was happening. And throughout the process was this almost like a, you know, when they say that at the moment of death, your life flashes before your eyes. Right. It was right. like that, but it was countless life cycles that continued flashing before my eyes. Okay. And the more dissociated I became from my physical body, the more I became aware of what appeared to be life cycles repeating themselves from birth to death in the blink of an eye, while at the same time, the energetic accumulation of all those life cycles kind of sum total stacked up against me, you could say. And I was conscious of that. So karma, you could call mm -hmm. it. A lot of right. people refer to that as karma. Yeah. So this went until I essentially make a long story short, I burned through lifetime after lifetime of karmic repercussions and beliefs, yeah. behaviors and actions and things that were preventing me from becoming aware of what the nature of my awareness is. And it was so brutal and so hardcore and yeah. so not anything that I could even imagine. Like it felt like hell was real, you know, like it, I was really in hell is what it felt like but it was so exactly what I needed to go through because okay. whatever it was, there was something that was like, you're facing this, you're facing all of it and you're not turning away. And whatever that was, it caused me to like face it all and to be with it all and to let process it or let it process itself through me mm -hmm. until all of that pain and fire and death and all that begin to transition into the nature of what it actually is, which all that stuff is just the chaos, the disorder. It's a secondary aspect, you could say, of the primary element that we really are. But until we make that shift and start habitualizing or habit making a habit out of perceiving ourselves as we truly are, which is essentially through a state of heart brain coherence, which we can get into later. Mm -hmm. But until we get accustomed to what it feels like to perceive reality in a internally coherent and multi-dimensional way, the path to get there for me in particular was very difficult because it all came at once. But on the other side of it was this expansion that I'm talking about mm -hmm. and the remembrance of why this was all happening and what mm -hmm. all of it means. And it, it, it's the best feeling I could 
never described times infinity is what it felt like. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh, so this is uh, this is a wonderful, a wonderful experience um, on, on the other side, as you mentioned. Do you have any sense of why it happened for you all at once, as opposed to strung, strung out over several years or even lifetimes? So essentially, I have been preparing for this for lifetimes uh -huh. having all those becoming conscious about and see this thing like when before this happened to me i would have never imagined anything like this was even possible sure and it took like it i, I like when you talk about a level of contact or connection i couldn't have even imagined before that but mm -hmm. in becoming aware of it and perceiving all this stuff and witnessing these life cycles that I was a part of, I essentially became aware that I had been working up towards greater and greater levels of this type of self-realization throughout many lifetimes, culminating to a fever pitch, you could say, where in this life, a lot was gonna happen really fast. I was gonna move a lot of energy. I was gonna burn out a lot of these accumulated karmic implications and be able to right. perceive much more clearly without that stuff in the way blocking mm -hmm. my perception yeah so you've built up to it now this happens and you know you've got in your blog i'm awake now what a title that i love what happened after this where'd you go from there Every single bit of, we all, every one of us have these innate gifts and these innate talents mm. that for the most part, we don't realize, right. you know? And when I became, when, when I became aware like that, I realized so evidently that the organs of my body, the glands of my body, all these plexus centers, everything internally became activated with this expanded hyper awareness of the authentic or essential nature of reality. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, suddenly the body very much becomes like a technology or better, it becomes more like a temple mm -hmm. where we, it, it functions in a, like a technology in a way, in the sense that we have the ability to take a quantum leap yes. in our perceptive capacity. And, mm -hmm all these gifts, these innate gifts that are in all of us become, you become conscious of them. You become aware of them. You become at, um, really good at knowing how to work with them and how they work with your own physiology. And, and so for about a year and a half, this, I was like turned up to 11. Okay. My frequency, like just full on. And it felt like I was living in heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. I was super conscious of the, the coherence, the way my heart and brain would communicate to all the other organs in my body and how the energy field that enabled all of this internal communication within my body to take place. I was aware of that and how essentially life is like a living geometric field animating our human form and giving birth to our ego ego's conscious perception of reality but when that major those activations happen the ego eventually gets out of the way mm -hmm. and allows this to take precedence over it but it took some coaxing in my case it took some serious coaxing mm -hmm. but by getting into these calm, coherent spaces, we begin to recondition ourselves or start to coax the part of us that resist being in this expansive state to get into it. Yeah. And yeah. sorry, there was some feedback there. I was no, sure. Uh, no, we're fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just making sure. You got it. So. What was the question again? I, I apologize. I... 
we were talking about what happened after you had this experience when when you were 18 years old and you mentioned that for about a year or more you were dialed up to 11 on a scale of 1 to 10 yeah yeah so i found out that you know because at that point i had worked through so much of my own stuff mm -hmm. and i felt like okay this is the type of energy that is going to change the world yeah it's going to cause people to become aware of what they really are and how what they really are is actually a part of the natural world where we as a species have been breaking natural law, you could say, going against the laws of nature. And mm -hmm. anybody can look around and see that that's self-evident, you know? Sure. But a lot of people, like, we know that what, how we're living on this planet is not sustainable. We know that it doesn't work, essentially, but we're not quite sure how to make it work. We struggle. We're like, so many of us want it to, and we, you know? So at that point, it was like very obvious to me that be becoming hyper conscious of the nature of what we actually are allowed me as an individual to be harmonized with nature itself mm -hmm. and in doing that having all these psychic gifts activated and clear ascension clear audience all these different things i could go around anybody and know who they were and why they existed and what their karmic conditioning and life cycles were and Mm -hmm. it, would, it felt like it was my job to help them become aware of all that so they could move beyond it. And the way in which it okay. happened was that this frequency that we all are, which is the miracle of life that's animating our being, when it's in coherence with our heart and brain and all the organs and glands of our body, mm -hmm. then we naturally start to exist or become aware of ourselves in this expansive state. But when we're not in that expansive state, we're in a state of fight or flight. Our body is in a survival mode, which is what we as a species are most accustomed to living in. Right. And that causes us to be in that contracted, you know, narrow focused state. Now, I was going around people and I was a kid, I was 18 years old. And at that point, I still hadn't read any books that people were having experiences like this for thousands of years and that entire cultures came out of people having experiences like that. I didn't know, yeah. I had no idea. No. All I knew was that this was more real than what I perceived to be as reality around me according to this collective status quo that most people are conditioned or normalized into believing is all there is. Mm -hmm. So, what I didn't realize at the time, because I was so young, I was a kid, I mean, I was 18 years old, but people became, I, I, I was like, look, on the other side of this is everything that you don't even know you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but people, whatever, you know, they, they became afraid of me. They became afraid of what I represented because a similar process was happening. As I got into that expansive state, they would feel a lot of their own inner demons, you could say, or mm -hmm. their own essentially resistance to the nature of what they really are. And due to this mass collective conditioning based upon primal instinct, in addition to this industrial revolution, or de-evolution that has conditioned us into believing that we're consumers here mm -hmm. to perceive reality from the outside in to buy and like to live in this way that is not synchronized with the natural world. People are like, I don't want anything to do with this. You know, it's scaring me. You're, I don't like what I'm feeling or thinking and I don't want to live like that. Go away. My ignorance is bliss and I want to live like that. And this is where I didn't have discernment. I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't respecting other people's free will. I just felt like, look, you know, we're destroying this planet. Like mm -hmm. everybody can see. Yeah. Here's a solution, but it's going to take you coming to terms with what you are. But people didn't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's interesting that even in the super expansive states of awareness, how the ego, you call it, we call it, can creep back in right. and try to reclaim some of that ground it felt like it's lost. And by, you know, I'm existing in a state that I can only describe as being one with nature, with the universe, with not just the, the universe, but the source of it. Mm -hmm. I was consciously aware of a greater consciousness that is the source of life, that is causing all of these seemingly different dimensions that are all wholly connected and not separate to exist. And I was aware of it at these really just like incomprehensible levels integrated into my human perception of self and reality. And I didn't, I felt rejected, okay? Because so many people that I would go around, you know, and I was in a state of love and I was ready to help them face all this stuff. But nobody, you know, this is in the woods of Maine and 27 years ago, you know, it was okay. a long time ago. And I mean, there wasn't a pop spiritual culture the way there is now, you know, like <laughs> yeah, that's true. the hippie revolution happened and then it kind of like, died off a little bit and every hippies mm. became yuppies and that whole but so i didn't have really much feedback from anybody around me that was encouraging me to want to keep working within these realms and anchoring in this frequency more and helping others know themselves in this way okay but it was like i had already opened up Pandora's box or I had opened up the doors of perception so much that yeah. there wasn't anything else that I could perceive that was more predominant than this. And so mm -hmm. because I felt rejected, because I felt like, well, what's the point of even knowing this stuff or being aware of it if nobody wants anything to do with it? I began to look for ways to suppress it. Uh. And I would do that with drugs or I okay. try to do it with drugs and all the drugs that I tried to use didn't work until I found heroin. Oh, all right. And that I knew, I knew though, the first time I did it, it was the first thing that ever actually, it didn't make that stuff go away because that stuff is there. When it's there, it's there. And there's really not a lot of getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. But it turned the dial down a lot so that I was more focused on being in my body, believe it or not, even as sick as this can sound to somebody, than being this field, this quantum field of energy animating a human body. Mm -hmm. But I knew as soon as I first did it that I was opening up myself to a world of pain and trauma. And so I became a junkie. I became a total mm. drug addict, addicted to heroin for okay. three years mm. because it helped me disconnect from this state that I had worked so hard to get into and wanted to get into more than anything. And sadly, and I'm going to use that word because, you know, we're, ta we're talking in realms now where I know a lot of people are like, there's judgment and all this stuff in it. But sadly, but for me at the time, it felt good. It allowed me to connect with other people because mm. the people that I hadn't been accepted yeah. by others at that point for being in these states because people just didn't like it. They didn't want to be in that state themselves. But when I got introduced to heroin, I was introduced to it by other people my age mm -hmm. lived near me who had big groups of friends that were all hanging out together and partying and doing drugs and doing all that together. And so suddenly I felt accepted, even though it was so sick and mm -hmm entropic you could say it was a state of entropy it was breaking yeah. me down from the inside out mm -hmm. and so that led to like i said a lot of pain but it gave me the ability to really understand 
human suffering and human conditioning and what the nature of that was because it it really actually helped me a lot because I shouldn't be alive. Let's put it that way. I've, I've overdosed nine. I remember nine times I overdosed and almost oh, wow. died and woke oh, up wow. and vomit and just all just terrible. And I managed to survive every single time while I watched people who I love dearly, close friends of mine die mm-hmm. because of this. Yeah. And I knew that I had, the only reason I had made it through was because I had this awareness of this frequency that was overriding my body's own response to the drug. Cause you know, I had the drug sh- like should have killed me. Sure. Was, the amount of it I was doing and how long it was going on for. And, but I finally got to a point where I just realized I was like, if I keep doing this, it, probably will kill me and i started believing that it would kill me because i had had so many close calls up until that point already okay. yeah and when i finally stopped you because know, i'd stopped before and then relapsed right away and went through this cycle but i got to a point mm-hmm. where it was like i'm done and i'm done forever okay. and i built up the willpower and strength and tapped into these inner resources that i had pushed out or tried to push out in order to get through the pain of withdrawal and all that that accompanied it right and what i did i I kicked the drug i got off it i've been clean for 22 years or a long time (laughs) but that was what i did and at that point i realized like okay now that I had a, like a really bird's eye view of what it's like to really suffer on a mental, emotional, physical, spiritual level from the inside out, it was really, really humbling. And so yeah. it made, it helped me to perceive this energy that I knew that I ultimately am and that everything is in a much more humbled and discerning way in that just because I'm aware of it doesn't mean that others want to be aware of it or that I need to go out and push it down anybody's throat. Mm -hmm. And I had also started to become, you know, the worldview, my worldview started expanding and I started learning more about different cultures and who have been having experience. So bit by bit, I started coloring in the pieces and making sense of what was so seemingly intense. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So that's essentially how I handle it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for taking us through that. It's very, very intense. And you mentioned that in your book, Fight to Enlight. And there are lots and, and lots of very profound experiences that, frankly, a number of us either don't have or we're not aware that we've had them, and, but people still have. So once this had finished and you had gotten off of, of heroin, then how did, that, uh, how did that change how you approached and worked with people? Because you're involved now in so many different ventures and so many different arenas. And what was that change and shift like for you? Interestingly, as a result of having this like dichotomous life experience where, you know, so much profundity contrasted with my own personal suffering and looking out with a worldview of like, wow, we are a species that is just totally out of sync with nature and, and realizing that I'm like, okay, obviously I knew, I knew that I was alive to help integrate these greater principles into mm-hmm. this life experience yeah. while also instead of going against the systems in place, like being the rebel that I was up till that point, I realized that I had to work within the systems in place in order to help create new systems and new patterns and all that stuff in order to catalyze change that way. So 
you know, I formed a company in the natural foods industry that my brother and I started based upon a raw food diet. We we're eating and we're just in love with health and wellness and everything that mm -hmm. associated with that. We still have that company now, which is amazing. That's 20, almost 20 years old. Oh, right on. Yeah. But cool. so I was doing things like that and passionate about it, really like wanting to see a better, brighter world for all. But realize but not realizing fully that as a result of the trauma I experienced through you know the bullying and everything that I went through as a kid and then the trauma I experienced as the result of making choices to shoot drugs into my body mm -hmm. which you know was extremely traumatic as you can imagine yeah um I had never really resolved that stuff consciously okay yeah up until that point and so even though my intention was to make a better world the world within me still wasn't better still wasn't whole or complete or mm -hmm. there was still unresolved stuff there that i wasn't sure how to deal with okay. and so because i wasn't sure how to deal with it i was like really like those addictive tendencies were pouring into everything that I did. Okay. So yeah. even though I wasn't doing heroin or drugs, like eating a raw food diet, I was hundred percent raw food diet. I was like literally so like taking this addictive personality and putting it into everything I did, just like so much obsession, like to the degree that it was causing imbalance and making mm -hmm. me sick. And I didn't realize that this, addictive tendency that essentially was a major driver in how I conducted myself in this world hadn't been exposed to a more integrated state of consciousness so that it could heal. Yeah. So as a result of making all these choices and, you know, getting addicted to just like food, money, um, very much a material lifestyle and all these things. I just started making a lot of decisions that were setting me up for a different kind of experience of, you know, of intensity. Of <laughs> so right. where the heroin was very much an internal experience of just pain and torment, mm -hmm. I got myself arrested for selling marijuana Okay. And got a five-year sentence in prison. Mm -hmm. So I was put in prison, essentially, ripped out of my life, put into yeah. prison. And suddenly, all the things that I had either been consciously or unconsciously avoiding were all there, all in my face, all at once. And I was just at a new low, you could say. I had, <laughs> yeah. but whereas the heroin was an internal suffering experience, this mm -hmm. was too, but this was more external because I was inside of a place that represented suffering or constriction or containment. Mm -hmm. I was around people that were very predatory in nature, people that I didn't want to be around. Right. And I had no choice but to be in there while I was confronting all of these unresolved aspects of my life experience. So it was a mess for me at that time. Sure. All I could feel was the torment of my own analytical mind, just skipping like a record over and over. Oh, you should have did this. You should have did that. Oh, mm -hmm. I can't believe my close friend betrayed me and set me up to put me in here. I can't believe the government did this. I mean, blaming everybody and everything for my state, for where I was in life at that point, and my state of being, and not at all being able to come to the place within myself where I'm strong enough or complete enough to actually take responsibility for it all. Okay. And yeah. it was just like constantly this downward spiral of just self-perpetuated suffering and I kept feeling and thinking thoughts in relation to 
how bad my environment sucked at that point and all the betrayals and all this stuff. And I just kept going and going until all of a sudden I had a moment where I caught myself and I realized, I was like, wait a minute, everything feels like it's wrong with my life right now. Mm -hmm. Like everything. And I was like, I caught that and I realized that and I thought about it logically and rationally. And I was like, it's absurd how every single thing in my life seems like it's going against me. And I kind of laughed for a second. Like I, I smiled and I was like, it's almost too much to believe. And when I did that, I felt this wave of peace or something come over me where I was like, okay, wow, wait a minute. I was like, in a way, this seems perfect. Mm -hmm. it's, this is exactly what I need. And, you know, then my mind's like, wait a minute, no, it can't be. This sucks. I hate it here. I don't want to. But then I was like, but what if this is exactly what I need? What if everything that I am resisting about this entire experience is ultimately, I don't, I may not want it, but what if it's exactly what I need? And so at that point, I was like, you know what? Remembering all my experiences, the highs, the lows, the everything. And I just started thinking, I'm like, you know what? If anybody can do this, I have enough confidence in myself to turn this around from mm -hmm. right in here. Okay. And mind you, I'm in prison. I had lost everything that I owned at that point. I had really, I got really sick from all the raw food and everything actually made me really sick. Where I almost died. Oh, I had, wow. I was hospitalized. All these mm. terrible things happened with my health. Just like everything seemingly going against me. Right. And so I'm in prison while these internal and external problems and all, you know, and I just was like, you know what? what would it look like if I was to take full responsibility for all of this? Meaning I take full responsibility for how I'm perceiving it, how mm -hmm. I'm reacting to it yeah. and learning to be okay with it and see where that goes. And so my initial instinct was like, okay, write out everything that I remember from my entire life so that I can make sense of it, look for patterns, repeating patterns of thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, and actions, and unpack all this stuff that was in me and get it out of me so I could look at it objectively by writing it all out. And mm -hmm. so I did that. And I, as I was going through this process of writing out all these things, I could feel lighter. Like I was getting stuff out of me and on the paper. And yeah. so I would read it and look at it objectively and, I eventually got to a point where I'm doing all of this inner work, making peace with myself from the inside out and then getting feedback. Like, see, this is what, this is what initial, this is what happened. Like I realized I had the ability to do this and I wanted to do it. And so I made a commitment to do it no matter what. And not long after making that commitment to do that, I began receiving feedback, both internally and externally, that what I was doing was working. Okay. And yeah. when I got just a little bit of that, it was enough to be like, whoa, okay, like something's happening here. And so it was always enough to keep going and keep going more further and further with it. And so as I would continue becoming aware of what I was unaware of, these suppressed conscious thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, actions that were in me, and seeing them for what they were, which essentially just a bunch of neural networks and pathways that I had created in me from repetitively doing them enough times, yeah. I was like, I'm letting myself have this neuroses that I created and that I'm perpetuating by continuing to focus on it. And I was like, that's insanity. And I know better, I'm not, I don't need to do that. 
And so bit by bit, like as I was coming out of all this stuff, I began turning on all of those, you could say these perceptual, these activated perceptual energy centers that are inside the glands of the body and that actually exist in the field all around us. But I began turning those on and remembering how empowered I actually have the potential to be and trusting that and living with it in this place. And my body started healing. I started feeling more at peace. And then, but the lessons kept coming and like, I'm like, wow, okay, what, you know, like learning about forgiveness and like I had to forgive the guy who was a close friend of mine who had gotten in trouble and he set me up and he got out of trouble by setting up. I had to forgive him, not for him, but for me to be at peace with my own being. And so I'm working on levels of that and resolving it and moving through it. And then it got to a point where it's like, well, I'm going to have to embrace this place where I am, the prison, you know, with all the prison guards and the inmates who are, frankly, to be very judgmental, a lot of them were scumbags or mm-hmm. predatory men who were very evil. They were very mean, mean, yeah. but a lot of them wasn't their fault. Very few of them were actually quote unquote evil. Most of them were just damaged kids that just got into their own addictive patterning that they were mm-hmm. projecting out into the world. But right. you know, when you're in a disconnected state and you're feeling in a fear-based state, you're going to perceive everything around you from the level that you're most accustomed to thinking and feeling in. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have to embrace this place. I have to like literally love it. And, you know, again, I'm like laughing inside. I'm like, how am I going to do that? You know, but <laughs> I was like, I can, I can do this. And so bit by bit, I just stopped allowing all of these external people, places, things, these circumstances, triggers to trigger me in a way that was negative and bring me down these old conditioned thought patterns. And Mm -hmm. instead I was like, I'm just going to rise above that. I'm going to face it. I'm going to let it be what it is, but I'm just going to let it be. And I'm not going to ascribe any meaning to it. I'm just going to witness it for what it is. Bit by bit, I realized that I was sustaining this internal frequency within me in the face of all the things that seemingly seek to oppress me in that environment. And so I'm getting all this internal feedback, like I said, like become activating all this stuff, feeling the trauma, the unresolved trauma that I just from this life, mind you, that I had never really consciously dealt with feeling it leave my body because it was stuck in me from, Mm -hmm. and but I'm just becoming whole and coherent from the inside out. And when you do that, the shadow element or the trauma or the wounding, whatever, it just doesn't have a place to live in you because a state of internal coherence is in alignment with universal coherence ultimately, Mm -hmm. which is a greater frequency than incoherence or chaos, disorder, suffering. And so the internal feedback is my body's healing. I'm moving beyond all this stuff. I'm feeling great, even though I'm in this place and went through this experience. Like I had made so much peace with all of it that I just totally let it all go and detach from it. And that's when I started to get external feedback. And that happened in that when I was so... I had gotten so good at practicing being in these states just by breathing rhythmically and smiling and becoming grateful of it. And it's really all I was doing and just doing that in the face of all this resistance that came up. I noticed, and it started bit by bit, these men would come up to me Mm -hmm. and they just, I could see in their eyes that they felt it and were aware of it. And they would be like, what is this? They're like, what is this? And, and I, that's when I was like, wow. 
by me being in this state, I'm role modeling or setting an example for a state of being that everybody is capable of being receptive to. And I watch these guys that the dregs of society that you know a lot of people would think of and judge these guys. I watched them become childesque, not childish, but like childesque, taking the the qualities of a child with awe and wonder and innocence yeah. and all these beautiful traits. They started becoming aware of that part of themselves just because I was so aware of myself in that way. And when you see people that a lot of people say, oh, these guys are thugs, they're criminals. These guys are getting it. They're like, whoa. Mm -hmm. After that, I was like, I had realized how I'd come full circle, essentially, in my life. And that being in this place was, allowed me to get back in touch to what was always there, mm-hmm. but I needed to go through this journey of, you could call it a journey of being connected, becoming disconnected, becoming extremely disconnected and learning about the more dense aspects of human suffering and how that pertains to the collective conscience and then choosing to rise above it because I was making that choice to do that over and over and over, essentially taking all of that addictive energy and instead of focusing on what was wrong with life, I was focusing on what I was grateful for and what I loved about life, regardless of how it looked or where I was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. But it was that commitment to doing it over and over. So, yeah. At that point, I'm in there, I'm like giving talks, you know, playing music for all these guys. And, okay, yeah, you know, and not everybody was turned on by it or aware of it. You know, some were just, <laughs> I'll bet, yeah. But many, if not most, were. Okay. And that yeah. was so humbling, you know, because I, I had gone from victim to victor. But Mm. I knew that I was the one responsible for making the choices to do that, but that I was only able to go so far. Essentially, I chose to get out of my ego's way enough for this greater coherent force that's animating my physical being to become primary. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wrote in the the description, um, the bio. Yes, most definitely. Well, Seth, thank you so much for taking us through that story. And in greater detail, I know that people listening are really going to resonate with and appreciate that. So again, thank you. And how can people reach you if they would like to find out more, uh, if they'd like to work with you personally? So I'll tell you that, but let me, let me close this, this circle by saying everything that I did, even though it was about me, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about everybody out there. The more that we as individuals choose to take responsibility for how we're perceiving the world and learn to love and feel gratitude and feel uplifted, elevated emotions for the conditions of our life, no matter what they may be, the more we do that, the more we work at all the things that are seemingly holding us back and our wholeness, our completeness, the reason why we incarnated on this planet becomes evident. We become aware of it. And then we start taking steps to encourage further growth within us And then when you live like that in this world, like you're not pulling out the hate card. You're not being the victim. You're doing the opposite. You're looking at ways you can inspire others to become aware of this because when they do, suddenly it's about loving yourself. It's about loving others. 
It's about encouraging the best in others. And it's about getting out of the chatter that everybody's so addicted to and finding real heart and soul based solutions for all the issues that we face as a species. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. And if I can do it with all the problems that I've chosen and bad decisions that I made for myself, anybody can do it. Because again, the same energy that's causing my heart to be and all this stuff in my body to happen is the same thing in each one of us. <laughs> so that's what we really are. That's what was going on before we took this form. And it's what will always be going on no matter what. So becoming conscious of it here now becomes our real quote unquote job. So I right. just wanted to get that yes. out. I wanted to I love say it. that. That's what essentially the point of this story is. You know? mm -hmm. So with that, yes, I have a blog. I'm awake. Now what.com. Um, my book that I released is called the fight to enlighten, mm -hmm. which you said earlier, initiation through the heart is the only way to win. Yes. I have living nuts with a Z.com. That's my raw food company. And then Tourmaline Spring, which is a spring water company that we, we preserve one of the last great natural sources of spring water and prevented a corporation from drilling into it and destroying the aquifer. Yes. We do it at a very small level, only capturing the water that comes out of the earth naturally and being stewards Love of that. Okay. So those are, I'm awake now, what's the best way to contact me about all this stuff that we're doing and that we talked about tonight and I do sessions and things like that for people. So I love that. Yes. Well, and, and this is again to repeat, I'm awake now, what.com and living nuts.com, the raw foods company nuts with a Z tourmaline spring.com and Seth's book, the fight to enlighten initiation through the heart is the only way to win. Love the subtitle, love the whole title. And Seth, thank you so much for joining me here today. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, Tomas. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it as well. And this has been Seth Leif Przanski here on Decide to Transform. Everybody go out and pick up a copy of The Fight to Enlighten. All of the stories that Seth took us through here on the show and more are detailed in the book. It's a wonderful read. And Seth, thank you again. And everybody have a great rest of the day here. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>